As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11, and for Bible study at 9.45. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God. Well, good morning, church family. How are we this morning? All right. Well, it is great to see you all here this morning. It's a great honor to get to come and speak with you. For those of you who are worshiping online, we are so glad that you have chosen to do so. We value you, and we are so glad that you have chosen to worship alongside of us this morning. Now, I hope each and every one of you had a wonderful Easter Sunday. I know my family and I certainly did. We had a great weekend, and I can think of no better way to celebrate the risen Jesus than getting to celebrate through baptism. We got to celebrate three baptisms in the 11 o'clock service last week. I know you guys didn't get to participate in that, but I hope you enjoyed the videos. Um, it's a great way to celebrate what God is doing in our midst. It's a great way to, sto- to, to celebrate the stories that God is telling through people. And so I hope you enjoyed those videos. We hope to continue to get to do that in the future as we celebrate God through baptism. Well, last week... Last week, Matt introduced a new series called Encountering Jesus, how the risen Jesus transforms the everyday life of his followers. And really the whole point of this sermon series that we're going to continue in in the next couple of weeks is to highlight the idea that when we encounter the risen Jesus, we will be transformed. You know, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says that when we behold the glory of God, we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And so when we behold the glory of the risen Jesus, you and I in this room, we ought to be transformed. We ought to be a people who are transformed, and we ought to be a people who are being transformed. Now, last week, Matt opened up by looking to the cross. If you remember right, he talked about Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus is speaking to the religious elite of his day. And and he says, when you look to the cross, there ought to be two responses. Maybe you remember those. The first one is a response of repentance. That when we see the risen Jesus, you and I ought to come to the cross and we ought to have the posture of repentance. But not only that, we ought to have the posture of worship, of adoration. And so Jesus says that our response to him is one of repentance and adoration. And I think, I think that's the bedrock of all Christian transformation. It's that you and I would repent of our sin and that we would believe in Jesus. Now, as Matt looked to the cross last week, I want us to look back at the cross So over the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at a few key individuals and groups of individuals as they encounter Jesus. And so today we're going to be looking at the road to Emmaus. It's a familiar passage in Luke chapter 24. And the hope, the hope is, is that you would see how Jesus, the risen Christ, encounters these particular people and how they are transformed so that you and I can experience in that transformation as well. So if you would go ahead, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. This morning, Luke 24, I'd like to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 24, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, it'll be up here on the screen. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13, the word of the Lord says, That very day... 
two of the disciples were going to a village named Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. In verse 17, it says, And he said to them, What is this conversation that, are you, that you are holding with each other as you walk? And notice that they stood still. The text says that they were looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, he's a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Note this. Oh, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. And moreover, some of the women of our company have amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. Now some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary, Jesus says, that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted them in all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going and Jesus acted as if they were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, No, no, please stay with us. We, we want to dine with you, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And so Jesus went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, and he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus for who he was. And suddenly he vanished from their sights. And as you can imagine, they said to one another, Oh my goodness, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour. They returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And he truly has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Well, Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you that Isaiah fifty-five eleven says that your word will not return void. So, Lord, I ask you this morning, God, that you would meet with us just as you met with those two men on the road of uh, on the road to Emmaus, God, that we would encounter you and that we would truly walk away transformed. God, this is not something to be taken lightly, and I'm very well aware that if we were to stop here this morning, God, that you would have done enough through your word. And so, Lord, anything that I add, I pray that it would be united with you. I pray that it would be your words this morning. I pray that you would till the hearts or the soil of our heart this morning and that you would call us to repentance and adoration and transformation. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I don't know about you, but I am unfortunately a talker. I like to talk. You can ask my wife. I have a tendency to talk her ear off. 
Um, I'm a talker. I'm also a verbal processor. I'm that way. God's wired me uniquely that way because I'm also an auditory learner, which helps me process life, right? So anything that happens in life, I am going to talk it out. And by talking it out, it helps me remember and, and keep track of all that is happening. And so in this story, I, I can put myself right in the midst of it. I mean, you can imagine, right, all that these men have experienced You know, chances are they showed up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And over that week, they have experienced the most tragic event in all of human history. Think about this. They show up to Jerusalem eager to celebrate the Passover and they leave experiencing the very death of Jesus himself, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, hung on a cross, crucified and buried in a tomb. But not only that, that's not the only thing that they experienced. If you keep tracking in the story, they tell of the rumors that they've heard from the people in their company, the the disciples who are also following along with Jesus. They show up to the tomb, the stone rolled away, soldiers gone, they peer into the tomb and Jesus is not found. And in his place sits an angel, an angel who says, fear not for Jesus is alive. Confused and perplexed would be an understatement. I mean, think about that. Think about this Messiah who you've come to learn and to follow. You've watched him be killed before your eyes, now buried in a tomb. Now you're told that he's alive. Now what? What am, what am I supposed to do with my life? What, what now? Is he alive? Is this a rumor? Is this true? And so these two men, they pack up their belongings and they head home. Not knowing what the future holds, not knowing what lies ahead, they pack up their belongings and they head back to Emmaus. And it was there, it was on the road to Emmaus, in the midst of their conversation, that Jesus himself meets them in their confusion and perplexity. I love what the text says. It says that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I love this verse for at least two reasons. There's several reasons why, but two that I would like to highlight. First and foremost, that in the most confusing and the perplexing, perplexing of our days, perplexed of days, Jesus meets with us. Jesus draws near to us. I'm reminded of Romans 8 that tells us that, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That no matter what it is that we're going through this morning, no matter what's going, it's happened in our past or, or what we're getting ready to walk into, what this text reminds me is that Jesus is in my midst, that He meets me in my confusion. He meets me in the perplexity that often comes in life. But not only that, not only does Jesus meet us in the ups and downs of life, but get this, He walks alongside of us in the journey of life. Jesus not only meets us where we are, but He journeys with us. He journeys alongside of us. That's what the text says, that that He drew near to them, and then, hear me, He went with them. He journeyed with them. I'm reminded of what Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28. He says, come to me, all who are, who, all who labor and are heavy laden and hear this, I will give you rest. Man, what an invitation. What an invitation from the Savior of the world who says, are you tired? Exhausted? Confused by all that's happened over the last year and a half? I, I know I am. Maybe you're burned out. Here in Matthew 28, Jesus offers you an invitation to come to Him and to find rest. 
Do you need rest this morning? You're tired, you're weary, you're laboring, exhausted. Jesus is inviting you this morning to rest. You know, it's interesting that when life throws me a curveball, I have often felt overwhelmed and confused. I've often felt like I'm drowning. Maybe you felt that way too. That life can oftentimes, when the waves kind of crash in over my head, I can oftentimes feel like I'm drowning. And one thing that I am learning through life is that I cannot breathe underwater. No matter how hard I try, I, I, I can't. I, I cannot breathe underwater. It's taken me almost 10 years of marriage, a mortgage, two kids, two degrees, working on a third, all to figure out that in life I cannot breathe underwater. But you know what else I'm learning? Just like I can't breathe underwater, I can't breathe without Jesus. I can't breathe without Jesus. I, I can't do it apart from Him. And what I've noticed with my life, and maybe even some of you, it's so often that I try to find peace in everything on this earth. And the problem is, is that my heart just doesn't seem to find rest. I look to anything and everything in my life to find rest and peace. But what the scriptures tell me is that I will not find it. And it's God's grace that I won't apart from him. This morning, you will not find rest apart from Jesus. We cannot breathe apart from him. We cannot breathe apart from him. And it's here on the road to Emmaus where Jesus doesn't prescribe another way to peace. He doesn't just prescribe another way to rest, but rather he reminds us that this true peace is only found in his presence. True peace, lasting rest is found by accepting the invitation to walk down the road of life with Jesus. Hand in hand, arm in arm, hooked into the yoke alongside of Jesus, allowing him in our humility, in our dependence to bear our burdens, allowing him to come alongside of us in the journey, allowing him to come alongside of us on the road, looking at us saying, hey, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Come what may. There's going to be bumps and there's going to be cracks in the road ahead of us. But listen, I'm with you. I won't forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. I've got you. And so in this journey, Jesus joins them on the road. And shortly after joining them, Jesus asks a great question, probably a similar question that you and I would ask if we met some random strangers on a road. Jesus simply says, hey, what are you guys talking about? It's a great question. Seems like a good conversation. I'd love to, to have, to, to be in on the conversation. And, and the men look at him, kind of like he's crazy, I'm sure, and they pause, and what you see is that they stand still. It's, it's a picture of the sadness and the remorse that is deep within their heart. And you can imagine after all that they'd experienced, the sadness that has filled their heart. And, and then with a, a, a touch of sarcasm in their mouth, one of them looks at Jesus and he says, are you crazy? Like, where in the world have you been? How could you have missed all the events that have happened in Jerusalem over the weekend? It would be similar to them saying, have you been asleep under a rock? The irony there, these men not knowing who they are standing before, don't realize that Jesus, in fact, had been asleep under the rock. As a matter of fact, he had been dead under the rock for three days. And so he, Jesus looks back at them and he says, listen, what are you, what are you guys talking about? It kind of shows the humor of Christ, right? As he looks back at them, he says, well, what is it that you're, what, what, what are y'all talking about? I'm, I'm unfamiliar to what has all happened in Jerusalem. 
And then the men, they begin to tell of this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, both mighty in word and deed, who's done many things. He's performed many miracles. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's turned water into wine. And they tell of this beautiful picture of this Savior. But unfortunately, they tell that he was condemned to death and he was crucified. And I want you to see in verse 21 what they say of Jesus. They said, but we had hoped that he was the Messiah. It's since the sigh in their life. But we had hoped he was the one, right? He had all of the resume. He had the pedigree, had everything. We just truly thought that Jesus was the one. He was going to be the Messiah. He was the one to redeem Israel. He was the one who was going to be free, who was going to free the, the people of God from the Roman government and free us of the suffering of this world. But as it turns out, he's just another man proclaiming to be something that he's not. You know, oftentimes in the midst of tough circumstances, we too can lose sight of who Jesus is. In the midst of the waves of life, you and I too can lose sight of who Jesus is. You know, just like these men were kept from seeing Jesus, so too do our circumstances oftentimes blind us from seeing the reality that Jesus is right before us. He's standing right next to us. He's right there, linked arm in arm, standing right next to us saying, hey, I'm going to keep pulling and I'm going to keep pulling a little bit harder. But oftentimes our circumstances are the very things that blind us from Jesus. And just like these men, it's all too often that we live our lives as though Jesus is still in the grave. Hopeless, fearful, anxious, exhausted, When life blinds us from the fact that Jesus is standing right next to us, linked into the yoke, we live our lives as though Jesus is still in the grave. See, that's the trouble with Monday, the Monday after Easter, isn't it? See, it's easy to get up on an Easter Sunday morning to put on your Sunday best, to come here and take pictures and to do all the things. To do all the Easter things, it's so easy for us to celebrate Jesus and His death, burial, and resurrection on Easter Sunday. But boy, it's so difficult that following Monday when all of life begins to set in. The reality of life begins to set in. And it's because our circumstances begin to drown out the reality that Jesus is saying, Hey, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still pulling. Keep pulling. Keep coming with me. And so they continue down the road telling Jesus of all that happened, and suddenly their sadness starts turning into a sense of amazement. They they tell of Jesus' death, they tell of uh, of this brutal events that have taken place, but then all of a sudden there's a shift that takes a place, and and you kind of see this tinge of hope in their eyes. They begin to tell Jesus, but... But, but what we've heard is that Jesus is no longer dead. As a matter of fact, we've heard rumors that from the people that we love and trust, from the disciples and from women who were following Jesus, that they showed up to the tomb early that morning. They saw that the, the, the stone was rolled away. Soldiers were nowhere to be found. They peered in and sitting where Jesus once lay was an angel. And that angel said that Jesus is alive. And so now we're, we think that Jesus might be alive. But, but what does that even mean? What does that even mean? And I want you to see what Jesus responds to them in verse 25. 
He says, oh foolish ones. It would literally be Jesus saying, oh you fools. You fools. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He says, was it not necessary? Was it not necessary that the Christ must suffer and die, suffer these things and enter into his glory? How could you have missed it? How could you have been following me all these years and yet... You don't know what I've told you time and time and time again, you fools. And then before they could ever answer Jesus' question, Jesus answers this question by giving them a lesson in Old Testament theology. Now I got to, I, I got to, I got to spend a lot of time in seminary doing Old Testament theology, but I can tell you my class was nothing like this one. My class was nothing like getting to take an Old Testament survey class with Jesus himself walking on the road as he tells of how all of the Old Testament points to him. I don't know if you know this or not, but all of the Old, all, all of the Old Testament does in fact point to Jesus. He is the climax of both biblical and human history. But not only that, but so does the New Testament. The New Testament looks back at the life of Jesus. And so we look to the, to Jesus in the Old Testament. We look from in light of Jesus in the New Testament. And Jesus literally spells it out for him and says, listen, all of this, these things that you've read in the scriptures, they all point to me. And you can imagine these men on the road to Emmaus looking at one another going, you've got to be kidding me. Who is this man? Who in the world could this guy possibly be who knows the scriptures at this depth, who understands scripture like we've never heard anybody teach before and yet at the same time has no idea what has happened in Jerusalem? Who in the world could this man possibly be? Now on a side note, I, reading this text, I, I thought about, you know, what if I was on that road? What if I was on that road after experiencing all that they'd, they'd experienced and felt? You know, they've got to be emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted, watching the very person that they had believed to be the Messiah literally be crucified and killed before their eyes. I can imagine that they'd be worn down, exhausted as they're heading back home, confused and perplexed as it is, as it were. And all of a sudden, this stranger, now you've got to remember, right? They don't know that this is Jesus. They, the text says that they were kept from seeing that. This stranger walks up to him and says, hey, would you mind if I journeyed alongside of you? You know, I, I, I can imagine that those guys are like, man, listen, I'm, I'm wiped, I'm exhausted, I don't have time to sit and entertain you. But in that moment, I started thinking, man, where would I have been on that road? Would I have said, would I have, would have responded yes to Jesus' request to journey with them? And I started thinking of us. Man, would we have responded? Yes, absolutely. And I think on this side of history, I think everybody in this room would say, man, if Jesus had requested to walk with me for seven miles, you better believe I'm in for that. Right? If Jesus himself had, I don't care what my day looked like. I don't care what I had been through. If Jesus himself had said, yes, yeah, I want to, I want to journey with you. I don't think a single person in this room would say, yeah, I'm not interested. But here's, here's where this led me. This led me to the reality that Jesus requests to meet with us every single day. And yet many of us reject that invitation. You know, we read the story of the road to Emmaus and we think, man, wow, this is an incredible story. 
It's an incredible story of Jesus meeting with these two everyday normal guys just on a road heading home. And yet I started thinking, man, is that not our story? Is it not our story that each and every day Jesus requests to meet with us and yet time and time and time and time again, we choose work, we choose school, we choose everyday busyness, we choose sleep, we choose a myriad of different things over choosing to meet with Jesus. And then we wonder why we're not transformed. We wonder why our lives don't look any different than the rest of the world. It's because the very one who has the power to transform us is requesting to meet with us and time and time again we reject his invitation. So as they drew near to Emmaus, Clearly blown away by this man. They invite him for dinner. Can you imagine getting to dine with Jesus? Just to sit and hang out, talk over a meal. Verse 30 says that they took bread and Jesus himself actually takes the bread. They sit, they sit in a circle. They recline at table. And Jesus begins to break the bread. And he begins to distribute the bread. It's almost, it's almost as though Jesus is mimicking the institution of the Lord's Supper, the night that he was betrayed. He begins to break the bread. He distributes the bread amongst all of the people in attendance. And there, right then and there, all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them. And for the first time, after a seven-mile journey, they see Jesus. The risen Jesus sitting right there before them. They've just experienced a seven-mile journey with Jesus himself, and now they are dining with Jesus, and all of a sudden, just like that, he's gone. He vanishes from their midst, and you can imagine, right, that they looked at each other, confused and perplexed about all that had just happened, and literally, one of the men says, did our hearts not burn while he opened to us the scriptures? Did our hearts not burn within, within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? In other words, one of them says, man, I knew something was off. There had to have been something off. Did our hearts not burn while we were on the road? It's that idea of being deeply in love, experiencing a deep passion and I just got to ask you this morning, when was the last time that you burned for Jesus? And when was the last time that you opened up the scriptures and, man, you poured forth into the scriptures? You just laid yourself before the scriptures, asking of the Lord to encounter you, asking of the Lord to meet with you right here in the scriptures. When was the last time that your heart burned for Jesus? When was the last time that you wept over the gospel that Jesus, the God of the universe, became flesh, dwelt among us, hung himself on the cross of his own accord for your sin and my sin? When was the last time that you burned for him? My hope for you, my hope for me is that every day, not every now and again, but every day, you and I, when we encounter the risen Jesus, our hearts would burn for Him. They would burn for Him. They would be madly in love with this risen Jesus. You know, you may notice that what happens next is 
after they talk about how the worship of his name, the men arose from the table, they packed their bags, and they head back out on the journey back to Jerusalem. Packed their bags, looked at one another, we've got to get back to Jerusalem, we've got to tell the guys right we've got to tell the guys all that has happened and so they head back on the seven mile journey they're moving moving down back through the the road that they once journeyed with jesus and they stumble into jerusalem you can you have to know they're exhausted they're tired they're beat down they stumble into the house where jesus and his disciples were oh i'm sorry where the disciples were they barged through i'm sure peter was the first to answer the door because peter's got to be first for everything and they literally look at the disciples and they say you are not going to believe what has just happened to us you're not going to believe we got to meet with the risen jesus we walked seven miles with the risen jesus and one of them says The Lord has risen. He has risen indeed and says that literally everything that you've heard from Peter is true. I know Peter's a little shady. I'm just telling you, he is true. What he has said is true. Jesus is alive. And the point that I want you to see this morning is that in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of the perplexity that dominated their life, When they encountered Jesus, it was transformed into clarity and confidence. They could see Jesus. They were no longer blind, but now they were able to see. These men, blinded on the road to Emmaus, had no idea what was next to come. And yet Jesus met with them. But not only did he meet with them, but he journeyed with them. This morning, I want to tell you that Jesus wants to have an encounter with you. He wants to have an encounter with me. It's up to you and I this morning to say, yes, sure, Jesus, I'm in. I want to walk down the road. I want to journey with you. And maybe many of us in this room have said yes to Jesus once t- one time before, and that's amazing. Praise God for that. But while we have said yes to Jesus once before, are we saying yes to Jesus every single day? I'll close by asking this question. Does your life reveal that you are encountering the risen Jesus? Does your life reveal that you have encountered the risen Jesus? Maybe another way to think of this would be to say, does your life reveal that you have been transformed by the risen Jesus? And maybe furthermore, does your life reveal that you are being transformed by the risen Jesus? If not, the only question that I have for you is why not? Why is your life not being transformed? Could it be that you've rejected Jesus' invitation to walk with you on the road of life could it be well today would be a great day to say Jesus I get it I'm tired I'm weary I'm laboring I'm trying to find peace and peace and in every which way on this earth but I can't find it and so you know what I want to enter with you on the road I, I, I want to enter the yoke with you I, I get that you're next to me I get that you're with me and so I it's now time for me to believe that And so this morning, I hope that you will. I hope that today we'll start anew 
as you learn to walk and journey with Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we're thankful for your word. We thank you that you do not leave us, nor do you forsake us. God, that no matter what it is that we're going through, God, I'm so thankful that you draw near to us. And Lord, I'm thankful that you journey with us. I can't imagine doing this life apart from you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that we, as a church, both individually and corporately, Father, would say yes. We accept the invitation. We're going to walk with you, Lord. We're going to be a people who walk with the risen Jesus, encountering him every day, knowing that in, that in those encounters is where we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, if you've never said yes to Jesus, and maybe that's the first time where you have, have yet to say yes to Him, to be transformed to Him, well, today is a great day for you to do so. Today would be an incredible day for you to say yes to Jesus for the first time. And so, as Gary plays, uh, I'm going to invite you to stand as we give our time of invitation. So if that's you, please come. Are you in a weekly Bible study? If you're not connected with First Baptist Belton or one of our small groups, we'd love to have you. Sunday morning meets from 9.45 to 10.45, and no matter what age or stage of life you're in, we have a Bible study for you.